A Wrinkle in Time, My Hairiest Adventure, Ender's Game, My Teacher is an Alien, Choose Your Own Star Wars Adventure, Five Books from the Science Fiction Genre, with a bonus episode on a young children's storybook to round off the third chapter of the podcast. Your favorite ignorant man-children will be discussing all this and more in this finale to Season 1. It's Reliterated, Reiterated, Chapter 3. Let's talk. Welcome to Reliterated, Reiterated, the episode where your favorite lowbrow book club discusses the last five books we read, cover what we missed, discuss the latest Haptor, Haptor as a troll. That's not how that's said. Discuss the latest chapter as a whole, as well as talk about whatever the hell we want. As usual, we give you the fair warning. We use language too mature for kids, analysis too immature for literary scholars, and ignorance too profound to be inoffensive to everyone. You can interact with us and enjoy all kinds of bonus content by searching Reliterated on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, and Facebook. Or you can ask us questions, suggest future episodes, or tell us what we've missed by sending us an email at reliterated at gmail.com, and we'll read what you send us on the show, unless you ask us not to. But we'd love to interact with you, so please send those messages in. My name's Andy, and uh, this is Harold and Josh. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So how are things? Things are going pretty good. How are you? I'm well. I am I was happy that I didn't have to read anything this week because <laughs> I've been reading so much children's literature. I've I've just been craving an adult novel. So I finally got to dive into <laughs> dive into my uh adult novel. Well not adult, but nice. it's made for adults. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Yeah. What's your adult novel called? Hustler? <laughs> yeah, Hustler Letters, Volume Seventeen. <laughs> His mm. hottest touch. No, it is called Nightfall by Simon R. Green. It is a. It's the last in a in two series. Actually, he has a series called The Nightside, and he has also has a series called The Secret Histories. And they both of those worlds collide in Nightfall. So it is the end of both of those series, and I'm excited to uh, to read it. Nice. Is this a reiterated or an episode about a book? Like, no, on, I'm just gosh. I'm just talking about what <laughs> I'm doing in my free time, which is reading this this other book that I like. I too have been relishing the uh, not having an assigned reading book myself, and uh, I've taken this opportunity to. Uh, to just blow middle fingers of both of y'all, I'm reading the fucking Hobbit, motherfuckers. And oh, it's going fuck great. Tolkien. Wait, I'm hold reading on. the fucking Hobbit. Hold on, Tolkien did write something that I appreciate. I actually found out. Oh yeah, he was involved at, in some way or another in writing the Oxford Dictionary. I think I'd heard that before. Yeah, it, yeah, it's perfect for him because you know you write one word and then you relentlessly describe what it means. So, <laughs> so I do appreciate dictionaries. So there we go. You see, I don't think you've even read Tolkien. You don't think I've read Tolkien? No, because I find his prose magical and <laughs> his characters unforgettable. And you know, just, just the way that his voice comes out in, in his writing, it's just so verdant and Boring. evergreen. <laughs> <laughs> And it really lets you savor the pleasure of reading 
something mm, makes you feel full inside you know no i don't i don't i don't get that same <laughs> feeling when i read tolkien and i have read tolkien <laughs> yeah tolkien uh his writing just angers me i mean josh you don't like high fantasy as it is i That's at least true. like high fantasy so it's yeah just not my favorite story i guess maybe too i don't really like i don't really like the lord of the rings and it doesn't help that I didn't like Tolkien's writing. Well, it's not for everybody. Don't be don't be ashamed that you just that you aren't as cool as me. Hey man, I have always I have always enjoyed standing aside from the crowd, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> However, I uh I did include myself in a crowd uh after our last episode last week. Yeah. You guys, you know, have been enjoying reading books. I've enjoyed this new thing that I've discovered. It's called being exhausted and going to sleep like an adult early in the evening. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Harold got a job job. Yeah, Yeah. I got a new job and it is a lot more intensive than the job I had previous. This isn't the first time I've had a job, but it is the first time in a little bit. (laughs) But uh, yeah, uh, I got to be up at 530 in the morning now. And normally I don't get home till or don't leave until four o'clock in the afternoon. But like this week, we were doing some work, so we're there till six. We've been there till six all week, which is tiring. But this company, um, not going to get into mentioning who they are, what they do, but I started about three weeks ago now. Tomorrow will be three weeks uh, for me. And during the first week, they they slapped up this paper that said, hey, we got a, a tubing trip coming up next week, next Friday. Sign up. And everybody's like, you want to sign up? Sign up. And I'm like, you know, I've only been here a couple of days. I'm not going to sign up for the tubing trip. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I'd be imposing and I should stay and I should work during that day because people were going to be staying behind and working. And uh, a couple days later, they call a meeting and they're like, hey, everyone, we noticed the new people haven't signed up for the tubing trip. Here's the deal. <laughs> Giving you a bonus to go. Paying you to go. Have fun. <laughs> Come and meet people. And I'm like, OK, signing up. So I sign up. Man, how do I work for this company? Right. Uh, <laughs> put an application in on Indeed. Shit. <laughs> Mention my name and maybe you'll get in. <laughs> Ooh, okay. But but is there uh a referral bonus for you? I don't know if there is or not, but I would Ooh, definitely share your name if you want to come work for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I will I will seed my opportunity so that Josh can have it so that he can move back and we can start doing podcasts in person. <laughs> Dude. Oh, no. Oh, no I, I really like my job, so <laughs> I like helping I, I like helping out kids. It's it's fun. I help kids too. <laughs> yeah, <he does. laughs> I help kids by helping parents. But anyways, um <laughs> So, uh, he's a hooker. So yeah, I'm a hooker. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sex worker. Hooker is derogatory. <laughs> yes. Depends. I'm okay with being called a hooker. So we've established that. <laughs> so, uh, so I signed up for it and everything. And I realized when I left to go there, it was about an hour away from the shop. We had to go in uh normal time, work a couple hours, and then we all left together. And as I'm about halfway there, I realized I didn't look at the name of the place we're supposed to meet for this tubing trip. I just signed up because I was like, yeah, it sounds like a good deal, you know. So I get all the way there after driving around a mile for a little while. I finally find my find the group of people. We eat, we eat lunch and everything. And <laughs> there's a part I want to leave out, but I'm, I'm going to keep going with it anyway. So we uh, we all get ready to go on this tubing trip. We get out there and we start throwing the tubes in the water. People are going. 
and the water moves a little bit faster than normal. See, we're uh, everybody there was used to the Rifle River, which is really slow. Well, we were on the Osable River, which is slow as rivers go, but fast enough and turny enough that you're constantly having to like paddle your way away from the edge where there are trees that will catch you. So <laughs> we all start pulling ourselves together. And I'm talking, there's like 70 people. And I'd say at least a good 55 or so of us were all tethered together. Okay. Now mm-hmm. the other person I was with, we were just hanging on. We weren't tied up. Everybody else was tied together. And there was stuff being passed around, drinks and whatnot, and right? And we're all laughing and talking, and one person kept saying, hey, let's stop up here, let's stop up here. And it was kind of crazy to me, because it was, even though it was a Friday, there were families everywhere, and they were they were all stopped at these places, and we're like 60 people rolling up. I'm like, we are never going to be able to stop at one of these spots. We should just keep moving. We're in a good place here, you know? And it was cool, because all of a sudden, there some people yell, we'd start moving. Well, this this thing I, tu- I dubbed TubeZilla. It was this huge, <laughs> massive tubes moving through the water. <laughs> so when they tried to stop, the other person and I broke off, and we ended up stopping at the next one. And I'm like, well, I got to go to the bathroom. So I ran up to go to the bathroom. I come down, and we see the big set of tubes passing, the big group of tubes passing, and then a smaller set of the, the leftovers passing behind them. And one of the guys who his nickname is Thor sees me and Danielle and says, ha ha fuckers catch you later. (laughs) And we're like, Oh shit, let's try and catch up with them. So they (laughs) go around the bend in the, in the river. We jump on our tubes. We start floating. As we come around the bend, we see that smaller group of tubes and it is literally tangled, wrapped around a tree on the side of the river. Thor <laughs> oh, is hanging on for dear life to the fucking log as the water <laughs> sweeps past him. Oh, this no. this one other uh, lady I work with, she's nervously laughing as she's floating away on her own because oh, she no. somehow survived it. One dude's yelling... Stop laughing. This was almost a deadly situation. (laughs) We're like, holy crap, man. So we keep rolling down the river a little bit and we're like, well, we'll find the bigger group of them. Come around the next bend. The bigger group is wrapped around a bigger tree. Everybody (laughs) is off their tubes. The tubes are just totally wrapped around these trees. Uh, And we're like, holy shit. We like scoot right past them. And we're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. (laughs) And as we're floating down the river, we're talking about it. All of a sudden, I feel something hit my hand. And I reach down and there's an ice cold beer floating in the river right by my hand. So I take it out. I crack it open. I go, this beer was obviously for me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we did end up finding out that they were okay because there's this thing we do at work as as like something's happening or when when the stress is really starting to hit and all of a sudden someone it's like someone always knows and they'll just go and then everybody just you know kind of and we in the distance we could hear faintly the wooing coming from down (laughs) the river because they never caught up with us we stopped and waited for 15 minutes at one point and they never caught up with us wow (laughs) yeah it was pretty crazy yeah it was fun what a wild environment you work in now (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean you know during the week and everything like when we're at work dude it's it's we get it. I walk through the door at seven o'clock in the morning or I walk. I have be I'm punched in by then and dressed and I'm walking into my room where I work and it's right to work. And we work until our break 
Then we come back from our break and we work until lunch. And then we come back from lunch and we work straight up to the end. And I mean, I'm talking like if you're 20 minutes from the end and you have nothing left to do, we literally you'll have 15, 20 people, every one of them with either a broom or dustpan in their hand, just walking around sweeping like Mm. I have only I have experienced the environment, the leadership type environment that I'm getting the vibe of here. And it was at my last job. And I'm at, and I'm actually glad to have found something like it again. You know, awesome. Minus a few things that I didn't like about that last one. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, it was fun. I was a, that was a pretty crazy introduction to a brand new company that I'm working for. And I am excited to see where it goes from here. Excellent. Awesome to hear. It's been a pretty exciting start to uh, to this podcast. Also, we are wrapping up our first season and the third chapter of this podcast. Uh, we went through five sci-fi related books and we're going to recap anything we may have missed, starting with our first book of the chapter, A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, I do not miss this book. You don't miss the book, huh? I do not miss it. <laughs> oh, God. Was it? Something... Wait, I, I was trying to remember. Um, Did we ever find out if it was Charles Wallace? <laughs> it oh, was <laughs> Charles Wallace, but the entity was controlling him. You motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I got so tired of that joke. <laughs> did you? Yes, I did. Weren't you interested in knowing whether it was Charles Wallace or not? We, I knew it. I knew that it wasn't <laughs> Charles Wallace. <laughs> oh, I had to bring it up at least one more time. Come on now. What's funny is that the first book in this chapter was the inception of my joke about beating up children. Um, it <laughs> right. Was, it was further uh, further bolstered in Ender's Game and in actually books in between, too, because I was I was just able to make jokes about beating up kids because it was funny. <laughs> and it all came to a head when my child slammed me into a tree and I fell on the ground. <laughs> yeah. When your child beat you up. Yeah. My child won the fight. <laughs> so lessons were learned this chapter. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a, a really good arc. <laughs> it, was. Story. it really it was. was. It was. It was the B story. <laughs> <laughs> the underlying thread of our narrative. <laughs> yeah, I was actually really surprised uh, by Wrinkle in Time because I had read it when I was younger, but I didn't remember it very well, and I still am not positive as to why it was so why it's so controversial. I, I think that if anything, like. You know, like we talked about the the godheads were freaking out because of the science and the witchcraft and the science heads were freaking out because of the godliness. But realistically, I mean, if there's going to be a balance in a book that's going to be read in public schools between religion and science, I, I mean, it covers both bases and doesn't really push either one of them down your throat. You know what I'm saying? It, in fact, it promotes both. It, it promotes both. Really? Yeah. And so I don't understand. It's just one of those things where people got to have something to be upset about, I guess. (laughs) And people will find that for sure. I still want to know what the, like, what's up with, uh, with Charles Wallace, as far as like what he is, how he's such a prodigy, such a brilliant kid. Right. If there's any reason that I might have to read on in in that series, it would be to, to discover (laughs) what, 
what that is, how he how he got his brain powers, and what exactly makes him special, right? And what he means by like like Meg is not one of us, or he's not like us, and that, well, who is us? Who are the who exactly are the like the celestial beings, the the talented, the people who can see the mysteries of the universe and such? I would be interested to see how that unfolds in the series. Yeah, that would be something I'd like to see, too. Uh, I know that in that afterward, they talk about how, I mean, Meg doesn't really take a central role after the first book. So or she, she, if she does, it's she still plays like a supporting role for at least her husband, which is uh, what was that kid's name? Wait, what kid are you talking about? The, the kid that was with them. Calvin? Calvin. Yeah, yeah. She's married to Calvin later and she's yeah. like his lab assistant. So she plays a supporting role for Kelvin, but they don't say much about Charles Wallace, nor do they confirm whether or not it's Charles Wallace or the entity. I had to throw that last one in again. <laughs> they confirmed it. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to compare it to the movies now or are we going to talk about the movies all at once? I, well, I was going to say, yeah, we did watch the movie for Wrinkle in Time, the newest mm -hmm. movie for Wrinkle in Time, which I, I actually rather enjoyed. Quite a bit. Eh. Yeah, I thought it was a. I thought it was like a good movie. I, the, I don't know. It, it's hard to say how I might have received that movie if I hadn't read the book. Like because I read the book, I knew a lot of what was going on and, and why people made choices and what certain things are supposed to be. Even though things were a little bit different in the in the movie than in the book, but uh, I because I read the book, I couldn't say how that holds up as a as a movie on its own. And maybe the fact that it didn't do too well uh, with audiences uh, means that uh, if you haven't read the book, then it's not that great a movie. Right. Well, and I know that when we got to the point where they changed into the creature and flew up, Josh had commented on the whole, like how it wasn't the, the creature from the book. And I think you and I both agreed, Andy, that it was almost better than the creature from the book because the creature from the book was her trying to describe a centaur, but tell us, but it's not yeah. a centaur. <laughs> tell us how it's, it's not, not a centaur. centaur. Yeah. It looked exactly like a centaur with wings, but it wasn't a centaur with wings. No, and not And the book that. did a lot of that kind of description where yeah. it described things in a way that you couldn't possibly like visually. Under, uh, it looked like a shotgun, but it was more like a tube with a pump handle <laughs> on it and a trigger to fire shells out of. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't enjoy it that much. I uh, basically like the books, the parts of the book that I liked the most, they just skipped over really quick. Like Ant Beast was so important in the book. She was the one that brought Meg <laughs> back. Them tentacles. And all it was was, oh, there's Ant Beast. And they waved and that was it. I was like, really? <laughs> Just made a cameo, yeah, that no one who hasn't read the book would understand. And then also the the quotes, like the the one the one um speaks in these amazing like groundbreaking quotes, and then they change them to <laughs> right. fucking lyrics, like rap lyrics. Yes. I'm Song sorry, lyrics and stuff. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> or outcast. like Beyonce quotes. Or I like whatever. outcast, <laughs> but it's not as profound as. Socrates, you know, it's right. Uh, Wait, how did you say that? What do you call him? Socrates? No, how do you <laughs> I call him? It? Socrates. Oh, Socrates. Oh, I Socrates. said Socrates. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, you've never heard it pronounced Socrates. Socrates. 
when you're trying to seem like you're too, I don't know, debonair for Wrinkle in Time, the movie, you need to <laughs> call him Socrates. No, so I'm just going to call him, I'll just call him Socrates because that way I'm Socrates. just on Bill and Ted's level. <laughs> yeah. you know, overall, I thought the movie was all right. I also made the mention when we were watching the movie that I thought they they failed us by taking out that ant beast part because it kind of just rushes it along. Now Andy felt differently at the time as I remember it that, you know, that would have just been extra minutes added for no reason. I mean, that whole part was filler. She could have just not been uh discombobulated by the tessering and gone back in like in the movie and not even needed Ant Beast. No, she was central to the story. <laughs> Furry tentacles, my friend. Furry Always tentacles. central to the story. Yep. You can't praise God without furry tentacles. It's crucial to any uh, any Christian folktale. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Wrinkle in Time was all right, and it wasn't as bannable a book as I remember it being, <laughs> yeah. or at least the, the hype <laughs> around it from back then. Interesting story. I, I think it, it was a Newberry winner, right? Yes, or, or a runner-up. Yeah. It was? Okay. Yep. Got the John Newberry Medal in 1963. People in the 1960s were more easy to impress. Right. <laughs> Back then, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's interesting how culture shifts and changes over time. And it's not a bad book. But Well, I mean, you say that they were more easy to impress back then, but then our second book is My Hairiest Adventure from the Goosebump <laughs> series. But it's not like that one in Newberry. It didn't win a Newberry, but I mean, <laughs> we all remembered the story because we read it. <laughs> right. We already agreed that Newberries aren't picked because children like them. It's because of the uh, the committee thinks that these stories are, the particular story is good for kids. Yes. Yeah, a committee of adults. <laughs> what are they now? Possibly with or without children. <laughs> <laughs> but I I was disappointed that we went through that episode on my hairiest adventure and we hardly made anything at all about the about doc, the doctor being named Doctor Merkin. Yeah, we really didn't. Yeah, we didn't we really, really capitalize didn't play on, on Lurkin that. Merkin. <laughs> Lurkin Merkin. <laughs> have any of you ever seen a Merkin in action? I have not seen a Merkin in action. <laughs> was there one in the Invisible Man? <laughs> a Merkin and the Invisible Man? There might have been a Merkin and the Invisible Man. What the fuck is a Merkin? You don't know a what Merkin. a Merkin is? It no, is. what the hell is a Merkin? An artificial covering of hair for the pubic area. Oh. It's like a crotch wig. Yeah, oh, my God. That seems useless. <laughs> People still keep hair on the crotch area? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I like, what? <laughs> Apparently, it is typically used by women as a bedroom accessory or as a way to disguise their pubic area in films. Hmm. <laughs> they can be worn for as little as a few hours to as long as three or four days. And this Ooh. includes waxing or shaving your pubic areas. I don't know if three or four days is a good idea. And so you can attach it with spirit gum. I wouldn't recommend leaving anything on anyone's crotch for three or four days without removing it <laughs> and letting it get some air. Yeah, I just don't understand the need for Merkins. Especially when they could have just used that tanning lotion. <laughs> right? Insta-Merkin. Insta-Merkin. <laughs> <laughs> 
apply directly to the groin. You know, what's funny is because we watched the episode for that one, too. But in the book, they made it out to sound like they were actually doing all right as a band. It was only when they started losing people that they started going downhill. I mean, to the point that Larry was like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. I'm making his practice over and over again. And then in the show, those kids couldn't play if somebody was threatening them with a bomb. Like they well, were, they also weren't going to be in a battle of bands. They were auditioning yeah. for a birthday party. <laughs> why, why remove the battle of the bands? I didn't understand that. About probably budgetary concerns. They're like, we can't decorate a gym. <laughs> they also take out the main, the main antagonist, or yeah, the um, the bad guy is not even in the the TV episode. Who is the bad guy? Um, well, his arch enemy, the uh, other band. Oh right. Oh um, yeah. What was, his, Howie. what was his name? Howie. Yeah, yeah Howie and the Screamers. <laughs> but also, you have to realize, like, he's talking about going on Star Shirts and shit. Nah, motherfucker, in a month, you're going to be a dog. Because that scene, because <laughs> right. everybody in that town, every kid in that town is a dog. <laughs> well, until the end, in which case they start using cats. But I love how in the episode of the show, like in the book, it almost works for the parents to be like, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know what this kid, you know, when Lily turns into a dog. But then in the show, it was just like they, he was literally having dinner with them the night before that he goes up and they're acting like they don't even know who he is. They're like, well, the fuck you talking <laughs> about, kid? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> And I was also interested, so in the in the movie and in the book, in the book they do that to the cat too, correct? Yeah. They make the chi- the cat into a child. Yeah, because yeah. they talk about the, the child's weird eyes at the end. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're now, a cat. Yeah, at the end they make Jasper into a baby girl. Right. Now in the in the show, that threw me off because I was, you know, we I had mentioned it then, but it was a, a full-grown cat and it became a baby. So I don't understand how this transformation works. I don't know. It's goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense. It needs to make sense. It's It needs to have to make sense. <laughs> well, I don't understand why Larry's arms look like carpeting. Right? Shag carpeting. My grandparents. <laughs> they did look very carpety. My grandparents that live out by your parents, Andy, mm-hmm. until I was probably, I want to say 14 or 15 years old, they had like lava shag carpeting. That's the best way I could describe it. It looked like <laughs> it looked like flames in lava. It was orange, like bright orange with like yellows and reds throughout it. It was it was something else, and it was shag, man, and it was taken care of. I mean, when I was fourteen, it didn't look like bad carpeting. <laughs> It looked like it was pretty new still. Well, while we're on the topic of dogs, I just want to clear one thing for the record. You hate dogs? I do not, I do not hate dogs or cats. I don't hate pets. I just don't want them. There's a difference. Because you think they should all be euthanized and because they're useless? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see no use for them personally to me because when you own an animal, you have to deal with their smells. You have to deal with the things they destroy. You have to be 24-hour waste management. <laughs> Sounds like a parent. And, no, not not a parent. I mean, the, they you, grow you out of that. You just everything about humans. <laughs> humans grow out of that, and they can be taught responsibility within a few years. So it's more or less that you don't like the idea of having to care for something else other than yourself because you're selfish is what you mean. What I'm saying is I need to focus. <laughs> listen, listen here, motherfucker. <laughs> I am in a, I'm in a part of my life where I need to focus on caring for myself. 
<laughs> okay. You know what would help you do that? A little kitty that give you love whenever no, you need it. No, kitties do not care for me. They rub up against me when they want to be fed. Well, my kitty tried to get me to stay home today, so I disagree because with Because you. your kitty you, wanted you to feed it. No, he wanted me to <laughs> snuggle him. You, you do not give animals enough credit. They are living beings that also <laughs> require care and love, and our ancestors created this problem and is up to us to deal with it <laughs> by, by giving wolves animals. mental handicaps <laughs> but through breeding <laughs> hey that mental handicap that we gave those wolves is cute as fuck <laughs> dogs are just <laughs> moronic wolves <laughs> well you know what uh, my my day on saturday was totally made because i got to see charlie and I love that dog, so I was super happy to see her after not seeing her for about six months now. I don't know, more like three months. It's been about three months since I moved, so. But yes, I missed her, and I got to see her, so yay! A good birthday for me! Yay! Yay! Oh, that's right, Josh turned 40 this chapter. That's true. He's a middle-ager. Yep. So old. Why am I still up? <laughs> I need to go to bed. <laughs> you need to go I to mean, bed. You've been like that for years now, though, needing to go to bed yeah, at like this is true. nine o'clock your Early time. And- <laughs> yeah, I am an old man at heart. So, <laughs> but yeah, my hairiest adventure was was pretty good, but not my favorite Goosebumps book by far. No, I think the next one's going to be a lot better. I do as well. Well, I know it is because in our first chapter. We all read an extra Goosebumps book with the first one because Andy had an idea that we kiboshed. And (laughs) and I happened to read this book, which I think Andy's also glad that we kiboshed the idea. Wait, what are we talking about? When your idea was that we would read multiple Goosebumps books, compare them, and then never do a Goosebumps book again. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, not never do a Goosebumps book again. You said never, ever again. Never, ever again. I mean, maybe those words. You said like maybe once a year. Separated. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. You are misattributing quotes to me. You said, I hate cats and dogs, and we should never do a Goosebumps book again. That's what you said. I think you just heard our (laughs) listeners say, man, I I hope they never do a Goosebumps book ever again. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But no, we will be doing Goosebumps books in the future. Oh, we're going to be doing a lot of Goosebumps. Goosebumps were, I think, all of our, like, they were a big part of all of our reading experiences as kids. 100%. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, they're also less likely to uh, send us into um, political talk frenzies. (laughs) Right, because they were very, they were very safe. Very safe, not not like our third book in the series, the chapter. Ender's Game, Ender's Game, man. Not only was that like a trial to get through, but the themes and the author and the ideas, it just oh, Ender's Game should have been a don't get us started episode (laughs) for real. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, it took us three of, and we hurried the last one like real quick. Well, and Andy and I went off on tangents about <laughs> politics and religion yeah. and war. <laughs> right. There's a lot to say about the stuff going on behind the ideas in the book. There are. Yeah. It's hard not to say something about it or, or even like the ideas of the author. I mean, that was what spurred mm-hmm. the first thing was finding out that the author felt like his way is the only way that people should live. I mean, it's like. Yep. 
it stirs up an emotion in me. It uh, it angers me that people do that. But mm-hmm. regardless, yeah. And then you bring about themes of like humanity's capacity for destruction and the ethics of warfare and uh, or the willingness. I mean, if you think about it, so we look at over in like an African nation where they might have child soldiers and we mm-hmm. think, God, that's disgusting. How could they do that? But then I, I am willing to bet you that most people that are reading Ender's Game never consider that aspect of it. Yeah, right. I mean, they, they do, but they or they may, but for the most part, they're like, yeah, but this is necessary. I think they bring that up in a line in the movie, actually. Like, Major Anderson says, the child soldiers used to be a war crime. And uh, Graf said, well, when, when, the, when everything's done, we'll worry about the, the ethics of it or something like something of right. that nature. And, and I mean, if you think about it, that's the perspective they're taking because of the situation they're in. I'm not agreeing with child soldiers in any way, but the perspective of the person that is creating that is that it's a necessary thing. It, right or wrong doesn't really factor into that consideration of how what what the perspective of the person enacting a policy like that. Mm-hmm. So what else about Ender's Game did we have? I mean, the book was better than the, the movie was, yeah, by far. By far, the movie it was they did a weird thing where they took uh they took two people and merged them into one person because they took bon- Bonzo and made him look like uh oh. the guy from Rad Army. You're talking about the ethnicity of the the guy who played Bones of Madrid. Yes, yeah. he he looked like he had, he was of Jewish descent. What yeah. I didn't like no, about Bones, I, mean, I, oh, I watched it again, and you know, I I'm a Spaniard. I see Spanish people who who look uh, like that with the dark eyes, dark hair. Well, Maybe. I mean, realistically, <laughs> we're talking about a region where you know whether you're all the way over to England or I mean, that's all attached. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, and there's it a, makes there's sense. a lot of Middle Eastern descent in Spanish, right? Um, Spanish blood, Span like the Spanish culture, whatever. Well, yeah, so. it's a Mediterranean. It's still a Mediterranean. It's all state. around the Mediter- Mediterranean, baby. Yeah, and what I didn't like about Bonzo was they did not make him very imposing on the movie. Oh, yeah. No, he he was was smaller than Ender by a lot. By almost a foot. I swear to God, it was almost a foot. He was tiny. Yeah, Ender had a whole head on him. Yeah. And he looked maybe five years older than him, but he was short. He was tiny. And like when the fight happened, it was like it looked less like Ender was getting one up on somebody and more like it was a big kid beating up a little kid and (laughs) killing him. And they're like, oh, he he did it. (laughs) Like, goddamn, dude. Right. But the, the nature of what happened to Bonzo was more of an accident uh, in the movie. Yes. Where, like, like uh, Ender kicked him away from him, and he slipped, fell backward, and hit his head on, the on like, the shower ledge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was book, right on the... Ender, Ender somehow hits him in the face so hard that he kills him, mm-hmm. which I kind of like the movie's thing better as far as explaining how Bonzo is... <sighs> I don't think he, it was clear whether he died or just got put in a coma and never heard right. from again. Yeah, because I was working they were, on him. They were, yeah, they were doing surgery on him. So it, it, I agree with you that the movie nailed down that he was injured from the fight, like possibly fatally. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like the expectation of getting hit in the head is that, hey, I'm going to make it. You know what I mean? I could take a hit to the head. 
but you'd right. be surprised. Uh, just getting hit just the right way in the right circumstance in the head it can be done like now. Mm-hmm. So that's not outside the realm of possibility the way it happened in the book. I agree because it's just crazy how things can happen and it just takes, yeah. it'll just take them out. Right. But they could, they probably couldn't sell it uh, convincingly in the movie. No, <laughs> because hit him in the face and he went down. We watch movies where people get their heads cr- beat up with baseball bats for five minutes and then they beat <laughs> up everybody in the room afterwards. You know, like, it's, like it was yeah. nothing, you know. John McClane runs across a floor of glass and then takes out four more super terrorists. <laughs> you know, I mean, right? He could still run around with glass shards in his foot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, I get a splinter and I'm out for a couple of days. You know, <laughs> right. come on, I was like, call yeah, in I stubbed my toe. I got to call in. Yeah, yeah, I got to call in. I stubbed my toe. And it's not to say that some people in a dire situation won't push past that stuff. It, it obviously does happen and people are amazing in a lot of ways, but the movies are just too much. You know, people are, somebody gets shot in the arm and it's always a flesh wound and they can still fight with that arm perfectly when the reality is that arm's done. <laughs> that arm is done until you get medical attention. You aren't right. using it. <laughs> yeah. You got stuff that's got to heal before you can f- even flex your arm again. Right. I mean, look, uh, I believe that in the whole tombstone fight, uh, Wyatt Earp's brother got shot in the arm or well, maybe it wasn't his brother, but he got shot in the arm and he had to leave because his arm was done for. It was paralyzed. Mm. You know, that's real shit. <laughs> you know, that happens. <laughs> I don't know if that was just for the movie or for real, but yeah. Yeah. Also in the movie, I found it strange that they give they like push this love story between him and Petra. They didn't really push a love story, but that was suggestible. It was like there. They made it yeah. really suggested. It was yeah. there, suggested. They had a bond. They had chemistry. Yeah. It was almost as if she replaced Valentine. In a way, yeah. And like the way that they... I'm thinking of the first time that they go into the practice room together and the anti-gravity room or whatever. Yeah, that felt a lot like a date. Yeah, and, and like the way they were looking at each other and smiling and this and that. And to me in the book... You never for a moment, in fact, uh, Ender even says in the book, because he was he had gotten naked and gotten into his bunk and somebody came around and said, hey, listen, uh, boys can't get naked in here because of Petra. And he was like, well, I saw her naked. And he was the guy said, well, she can do whatever she wants, but you can't. And he was like, that seems stupid, separating boys and girls. You know, she doesn't even she doesn't look any different with her with her clothes off than any of us do. Blah, 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 blah. Right. So mm-hmm. to me in the book, when him and Petra were in there, it was all business. Like they, she was like, this is how you do this. And they didn't have like any like they would have had a reaction to each other, like two guys talking two hetero guys talking about <laughs> battle stuff. Right. Right. I mean, that's yeah. that's what it felt like. But in the and movie, they were sharing looks. They were looking was, at each other. She was yeah. behind him, get, like guiding his arm to straighten up his uh, right. His shooting and stuff. Yeah, it looked looked very romantic. And and people will always say like, oh, you got to do that stuff because it's the movies and that's what people want. But I'll tell you what, man, there have been some really good movies where they made some really odd choices. Wish I could think of one off the top of my head right now where they don't do what everybody expects to happen in a movie. And those movies end up doing well. Yeah. And I think Ender's Game, because of the content, because of the story, 
could have been a lot better. I almost feel like Ender's Game, the movie, should have been broken into two parts. Mm-hmm. Realistically, like him in battle school and then him. I don't know. It just felt like yeah. they rushed uh, too many things. It felt like one of those movies that, again, it worked if you had read the book and understood what was behind the choices that they made in the in the movie. But right. if you're watching the movie without the, that background of having read the book, you'd have a lot of questions. And that's why there's no other Ender's Game movies. Yeah, and it, it's tough It's tough to tell that story in two hours. And they leave out the whole uh, Demosthenes and uh, what's the yeah, other what's, one? What's going on on Earth? Demosthenes and Locke. <laughs> yeah. Demosthenes, yeah, Locke and Demosthenes. Yeah, Peter, his brother, is supposed to take over the world, basically. <laughs> and he gets one scene in the movie. Right. The beginning of the movie. And it's just the like, one where he threatens to kill Ender and his sister. Mm-hmm. He plays a much bigger part in his psyche than is portrayed in the movie. I also want to note that in in the book, um, Ender fights the kid and like kicks him at school, Stilson or whatever. Mm-hmm. He like beats him up, kicks him a bunch of times, and it's the kicking that kills him in the book, right? In the yeah, movie, he kicks he him in the gra- face. In the movie, he grabs With onto his a shoe. statue. <laughs> yeah, but he grabs onto that little statue of like antlers and like no, beats it's him. a uh, it's a formic uh, hand or appendage. Oh, okay. Or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It looked yeah. like antlers to me. But yeah, they uh, were studying the the alien anatomy. But yeah, he beats him down with that shit. Now, I mean, now I'm more like definitely. Yeah, it was almost as if just like just like with the Bonzo falling and hitting his head on that ledge, they wanted to nail down like this killed this kid. You know, he used this heavy item to bash this kid's head in. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, it was still, I was glad we read the book. I was, and I was glad we watched the movie. It was yeah. interesting. It was cool to see visually what was going on in the book. Right. Though, like, I like sci-fi movies and it was, it was very cool to see. Yeah. I liked how they played out that last attack where they surrounded a bunch of people in the middle and pushed through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was neat, which makes me wonder if uh, the antagonist from the next book knows of Ender, and that's why he visited Earth to try and stop it from happening. Could be. With his little alien sidekick, Peter. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's not a thing. (laughs) That sounds like headcanon to me. (laughs) It's what I think. (laughs) That's because you're a Philistine, Harold. Listen, dude, if I think it hard enough, I could probably get I could probably get Peter elected president. (laughs) (laughs) What did we read? The secret? No, we read my teacher is an alien. This was a fun breather. Yes, it was. It was fun to go through. For sure, we missed something though. Halfway through Ender's Game, we read another book. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Andy had to go away. Yep. There okay, it's not entirely me. Like there's only one night on any a week on any given week that we can actually record and that night just so happens to fall upon a night that I had a date planned. Yeah, but you already knew we were gonna be recording. Yeah, it's only one <laughs> night. You just said it yourself. It's only one night of the week that we can record. There are seven nights in a week. Right. <laughs> and it is not my decision to have only one of those nights available. <laughs> it has become more and difficult and we have to make sure that we don't have background noise. Yep, and we live in different time zones. Yeah. But yes, that uh that did force a, a play and it's fine. It's totally fine. No, I was actually glad we did it because now we know that when we have that situation come up, it's just 
We have a backup plan. Yeah. Whoever the other yeah. two are will read a small children's book. <laughs> <laughs> now, Andy, did you happen to read the book? Well, I I own the I own the Herald and the Purple Crayon like collection, whatever. I I've read it to Xander uh, several times by now. So yeah, I have read Harold and the Purple Crayon. Do you agree that that kid ate way too much pie? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> that is too much pie for anyone to eat. Yeah, especially including a small toddler, a, a small old man looking toddler. <laughs> right. Well, that's why he drew a very skinny moose. <laughs> so, you know, emaciated something- moose. Something I didn't mention that I think it's fair to talk about this with the author of Harold and the Purple Crayon. Can't remember his name right off the top of my head right now. Crockett Johnson. Crockett Johnson. Oh, yeah, Crockett Johnson. So Crockett Johnson, I guess, in the 1950s, wrote for a communist newspaper. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So he <laughs> in was the a 1950s. Part, yeah, he was part of the American <laughs> Workers Party or something like that. Um, <laughs> that's bold. Of course, not in the sense, you know, I mean, the thing is that it gets all tipsy turvy and turned up and immediately that means communist dictatorship. No, the concept that they had and they were talking about was that the workers are the important people in the country and, you know, super rich people shouldn't own everything while we starve and beat ourselves to death just to have a little piece of the pie. But yes, I think it's fair to uh, bring that up about him since we're so willing to talk about all the other authors. Maybe that's why he gave Harold so much pie. Harold made that pie himself, (laughs) sir. He had the right to that pie, yes. He had the right to that pie because he created it. But then Harold was also kind enough to feed that emaciated dying moose Mm -hmm. and the little porcupine Mm -hmm. because sharing is caring. Right. And you know who didn't get... The majority of the pie, the creator of the crayon. Nope. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Harold, <laughs> Harold from Harold and the Purple Crayon, communist hero. Yeah. <laughs> Good on turns, you, comrade. As it turns out. <laughs> Good comrade on you, the, comrade. That's what I say. Comrade and the red crayon, red flag. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it's funny because uh, among all of that uh, knowledge of knowing that he never wrote anything like super hateful against people or anything, just always kind of like wanted people to work together and help out. So anyhow. (laughs) Yeah. Weird. (laughs) Weird about that. So strange. Yeah. And the moon went weird. with him. And the moon went with him. Oh, speaking of moon and communists, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that brings to mind a, a memory that I that I have from first grade, uh, where we were supposed we were given like a coloring sheet or whatever. We had like a like a landscape of, of like the moon with a flag in it, and it was blank. And you had to design a flag for the moon. Now, at the time, um, I was playing my brand new NES. It was probably like after Christmas or whatever. And one of the first games I got for my NES was the Hunt for Red October, uh, mm. which features uh, like the communist hammer and sickle emblem uh, <laughs> boldly when you start it up when you start up the game. And that hammer and sickle stuck in my mind. I had no fucking clue what a communist was. Right. But I drew that hammer and sickle as the design for the moon's flag. <laughs> so that must have been interesting for my teacher to see. I think she had some comments about it, but uh, those are vague in my memories of right. me giving the moon to the USSR. <laughs> I mean, to be I'm honest, sorry. they had more space achievements than the United States ever did. So, <laughs> yeah, but let's be real, though. I mean, when, uh, 
they do give the whole concept a bad name. Them and China give the whole concept a bad name. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, because they were taken yeah. over by uh, dictators. Dictators, yeah, dictators. Yeah. I mean, it's they, it's totalitarianism. It's not it's, the it's not communism. Right, right. It's totalitarianism. <laughs> I mean, but it yeah. is what it we is have. At totalitarian this point. capitalists are called Republicans. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and but, Democrats. Let's face it. And Democrats. It's true. Everybody, pretty much. They're all imperialists, so They're it doesn't all matter. Imperialists. Totalitarians, whatever. Yep. Just competing totalitarians. <laughs> Anyways. So we did we did that, but uh but our fourth book was uh My Teacher's an Alien, which I I thought was a fun, fun story. Oh, yeah, it was a fun it was, romp. It, it, was it was very reminiscent of Goosebumps as yes. far yeah. as that, as like the little bits of you know, the little chills and stuff that it gives you. Mm-hmm. One of the stories told from the perspective of a of a young child in school, uh, the school whole schoolyard dynamics as we can relate to them. And it was a female. That was that was awesome. It was yeah. uh, female a lead. Pe- yeah, female, female perspective. perspective. Do we get more strong female leads from male authors? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to uh, to propose or to purpose to uh, read like Ramona Quimby or something with right. Uh, Strong female lead by a female author pretty soon. Is that Judy Bloom? Uh, that's Beverly Cleary. Who wrote the Beverly Ramona. Cleary, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I know I saw those Judy, Judy Bloom books. books. Yeah. Judy no, Bloom books too. Some, yeah. Yeah. I want to do some of those. Yeah. We haven't done any Judy Bloom. We could do a whole chapter uh, of strong female characters by female authors. I was excited when I saw those Judy Bloom books the other day because I didn't realize. I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I read those. <laughs> and if we make it not necessarily by female authors, we may cover Matilda. Right. Because that's a strong female lead, but it's by... <laughs> a piece of shit. A piece of shit. Roald Dahl. Dahl. However, it is a good a good ass story. Yeah. It's okay. He's dead, guys. It's and okay. Like, he's dead. And we, we, we get line. to watch the movie, and I, I like the movie. <laughs> yes, good movie, too. Yeah. I, I liked... Uh, so there's a story I was watching about that movie, and so I guess Danny DeVito directed that movie. I yeah. think I sent this to you guys. Uh, Danny DeVito directed that movie, and... There was a scene where she was supposed to be dancing and making all the stuff fly around, like the mm-hmm. silverware and all that. And I remember the scene. I just don't remember exactly what was happening, but she was making stuff flying around and she was having a hard time getting into it and dancing. And Danny DeVito asked her, you know, well, what's the problem? Why aren't you dancing? And she said she was nervous. And he said, well, you know why you're nervous? Because you're the only one dancing. And so he made everyone <laughs> on the set dance with her. That's so awesome. That yeah, so she could dance and do that scene. It's just like, I mean, Danny DeVito is one of those guys where you just know. I don't know, something about him tells me he's a good guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like your Bill Murray or your Robin Williams. You just know that deep down they are a good person. Brendan Fraser this week. Brendan they, Fraser. Uh, did you yep. see that thing about Brendan Fraser? He teared up because yeah. his fan, one of, he was on this... Uh, this zoom call i think with one of the one of his fans and she's like oh he's like talking about how he's going to be in this new movie with robert de niro and she's like oh well we're all we're all rooting for you the whole internet's behind you and you could see him get visibly choked up like oh like like oh man (laughs) (laughs) he's like well shucks and i was like oh brendan fraser we do love you (laughs) yeah no it's good when there's you know when people like like that, that we watch on shows turn out to be decent people on the other side of that. I I, I really get tired mm-hmm. of what we have today. Uh, 
all these celebrities, I say with air quotes, that get so much attention and so much love from people. And they're just the worst fucking people on the planet. It, <laughs> right. It, and it's like everybody's just behind them 100 percent. And it's like no doubt people following some of these people as part of the reason of the the downfall of intelligent thought <laughs> in our country youtubers and twitch streamers oh i mean it goes back worse than that it's it's reality <laughs> yeah. tv yeah is as far back as the reality 90s TV, and, yeah instagram uh what are they called models or whatever influencers <laughs> influencers yeah, yeah. Yep. instagram influencers yeah yep. tiktok armies and, the, and these people that just like they start yeah. saying something stupid and a bunch of people get behind them without who gets behind? even how do so many people get behind these assholes I don't because know. they don't want to take the time to look something up for themselves <laughs> so they just glob yeah. onto an idea that feels comfortable to them and they just ride it you right. know and it just you know, ugh. like who's the fucking influencers or whatever, like gone to like boxing or fighting recently. I don't know. I don't like sports. I'm, I'm, so. bla- I'm blanking on their name. And I don't care about influencers, so I really don't care. Oh, are yeah. you talking about that Jake Paul or whatever? Yeah, the Paul, like one of the Paul, Paul brothers. Dudes. Yeah, I don't even know who. They, all I know is that people have been talking Ron about Ron Paul him. and Rand Paul. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Logan Paul. Got, a bunch of people have been talking about Logan Paul. That's what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like and, how? Fucking how? Who is cares he about name? this person? Yes, like, yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> Why but, am I supposed to care what the fuck he does? But then we've gotten some greatness out of that whole YouTube thing. Like Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham is a comedic genius. And mm-hmm. it's all from little stupid YouTube videos. So it's not like it's a dry well. But you just don't find people that actually give a shit about real things that are just, yeah, I don't know, anyways. Yeah, it's nice to have people that help us connect with uh, with ourselves and with the positivity in life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and that was my teacher as an alien. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, all about my teacher as an alien in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I So I had listened to the audiobook a few times on my teacher as an alien. And when it gets to the end where they're, they're all excited and like fighting the alien with the song and stuff. God, is that sequence just so annoying? Because like really? the way she's. Oh, yeah. Like the way she she's like, I hit that high C harder than I've ever hit it before. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, like, yeah you got to get up there for that climax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that would be an appropriate place to say phrasing. Yep, it would. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it was a good book. And I do want to read more Bruce Coville in the future. I, I think he's added to the list of authors that we will revisit some more yeah. books from them. <laughs> Yeah, we'll add them to the second second book rotation. Mm-hmm. And uh, then that, uh, that that does it, right? That's a wrap for, uh, well, for I mean, chapter, chapter three. No, I think that <laughs> I think the way that episode went goes more like dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> no, because it was Darth awful cool. and evil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Darth Vader's cool. So, <laughs> I mean, the jokes on you guys. I got a chance to s- to spread my wings and show what I can do. Yeah, because I'm I'm a professional audiobook narrator, and I've got a good storytelling voice, and <laughs> and I could do the do the accents and the voices just like the characters. As long as I'm telling a predetermined story, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, I know what I did find out by revisiting that book is that um, 
the f- the first two choices that you make can end the story, but the third one like re- is really where it branches off. Where one way you go down uh, the plot of the movie, and the other way is a fairly compelling side story where you're you're off on your own. And in case we want to do anything with it, I'm not going to spoil anything. But ah, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty yes. cool. And I and I wish that <laughs> you guys had chosen to. Uh, go off to say goodbye to your family instead of jump onto the Falcon and follow the movie. Well, we have a slide whistle for problems like that. And that slide whistle may be used in the future for possible uh, member or Patreon episodes later on, I think, because we can revisit the ninja, the secret of the ninja, see if we can find some ninjas. We can (laughs) revisit the magic of the unicorn, see if we can find us a dragon or a warlock. And Ooh. we can revisit the Star Wars. And if people really wanna wanna find out what else what way the story goes, they can they can do that. Right. And we have we'll have no idea what you listeners want unless you send us an email to reliterated at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you feel. What choose your own adventures would you like us to revisit? You can also message us on Facebook too. Oh yeah. If, we, if an email is too much. We have we have a Facebook page and uh, you can slide into our DMs there. We're on Reddit even. You can go on there. And Twitter as well. We can be reached. Mm-hmm. And we are not above whoring ourselves out for advertisements. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I've I've been wondering that like who our who our audience is. Like we have a like a small handful of uh, of listeners that uh, you know we we get automatic downloaded uh, week on a weekly basis and. I can probably only name a couple regular listeners. So if you're a regular listener, I'd, I'd love for you to reach out to us and uh, let us know. Uh, not ju- like not just to uh, to get praise from you, but I'm actually wondering who <laughs> we're reaching. Who the hell are you? Yeah, who are you? Why are you listening to us? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know what's going us. on here? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't make this but, thing to be yeah. listened to. <laughs> The only only person I've been interacting with with is these two chumps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean that is true that we have some that are probably auto downloads, but uh, we also, I mean, we have more than that too that come through, and some episodes are randomly more popular than others. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. and I can tell you from experience that it is kind of a lot of fun to to engage with the hosts of another podcast, like. I'm I'm starting to become pretty good buds with Matty Ice and Marky Mark, and we we hang out at the arcade every so often, and I come into their stores and drop some cash on games every so often, and uh, uh, we shoot the shit, we talk about the podcast and podcasting and and stuff like that, and it's it's a lot of fun to be part of like a an, an in group and know people and stuff. So yeah, we we would welcome anybody to come do that with us. Now we do have. Did we oh, mention our ending the- of the cupboard is up to a hundred views, by the way, <laughs> on, on YouTube, on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so we haven't talked about the fact that we're going on. Uh, we've talked about it in previous episodes, but we will be going on a hiatus for the next month. Yep, that's right. We've uh, we've wrapped up this uh, this chapter and we're calling it a, a season one and taking off for the month of September. But we are going to be coming back. Uh, for our next chapter of the podcast, which is going to be a spooky month because it's October. And we've got some pretty decent books picked out for this. I'm excited for them. Yeah, we're going to have some fun with these stories. Indeed. 
just to uh, to try and make sure that we bring you back when it happens. The first book in our next series is going to be a classic that I would assume everybody our age has read. Yeah, I'm pretty. I mean, I'm fairly certain because I didn't even I like think. scary stories, but I read this. Oh, yeah. We're uh, we're going to be doing scary stories to tell in the dark, which will be a little bit different because it's not a it's a bunch of different stories all collected together. So like my thoughts were that we do it, you know, we all read through it and we pick our favorites each personally pick our favorites that sounds and, good to me. and then never and then never read it again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no i'm definitely going to read all of them and oh i'm going to read all of them discuss them yeah no i'm going to read all of them to be able to discuss them but i'm saying like we should each pick a couple favorites and like point out why but yeah that's that's what our first book is going to be is scary stories to tell in the dark and being as though it's October, it also gives us an excuse to do another Goosebumps book, a second chapter in a row. That's right. We're going to keep it spooky because I don't know if there are any other spooky Babysitter's Club books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking that we'll be better off with a Christmas Babysitter's Club book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll save uh, Yeah, save that for Christmas or something or Thanksgiving. What was that other one? The Saddle Saddle Club? Something like that? Maybe they have a Thanksgiving one. Uh, Boxcar Children? Hmm. I don't know. Bing it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's other stuff that's on our our list of stuff to do. So did we do we talk did we talk about what our favorite book of the season was? Each of us. I don't think nope. we have. I don't think we did either. I see it in the notes here. Yeah, that was going to be how we introduced ourselves, as, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we went a different direction with it. That's all right. It gives us something to say here at the end. <laughs> so out of the. 15 kind of 16 <laughs> books including Harold and the Purple Crayon. Uh what what book did y'all enjoy the most? So for me, I mean I have to I have to say Maniac McGee. I really like that book. I liked the book when I was young. I liked it now. I read it multiple times again this time and still one of my one of my favorite books easily. I hate to say it, but I really liked reading Ender's Game. I read it very quickly. I read it a couple times. I don't know why I just I devoured that book. Uh, I'm probably not going to read it again, but that was probably my favorite one. I I, because out of based on how fast I read it and how much I enjoyed it. It's just it was tainted. It was was, here's what happened. I read the book and then I read about the author and it tainted it. (laughs) That is what happened. Did the same for me. (laughs) Got suckered in by the story. Yeah, if you ignore who wrote it and what he believes, then yeah, that's a that's a pretty damn good story. Um, I don't know. I'd have to say that I'm 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 also gonna give it to Maniac McGee. Like I I'd, I'd forgotten reading it uh, back in school, uh, but when I uh, re reread it for the podcast, uh, it just it grabbed me with how how well it was written, how heartwarming a story it was, how you know pure and wholesome the the protagonist is. And, and I mean, yeah, I think it's just a damn good story. Yeah, and you watched the movie too, which you said was even better. <laughs> Oscar, Oscar worthy. Yeah, <laughs> that is some beautiful garbage. I will say, I mean, if you like watching movies that you know are going to be terrible, <laughs> like you just want to shake your head and go, "What the fuck?" <laughs> then watch the uh, TV movie a- adaptation of Maniac McGee after reading the book. <laughs> yeah, read the I mean, book first for sure. Yeah. The book actually made me cry. So the book made me cry too. So I don't yeah. want to say like I won't even taint my my mind with that movie. 
<laughs> and I think in the right in the right frame of mind, the movie can make you cry tears of laughter. So <laughs> I just want to see the street change. <laughs> <laughs> so to wrap up, um, we're going to jump off of uh, talking about Maniac McGee and uh, see who we would recruit into uh, the kid version of the Avengers because we've had a lot of. Uh, remarkable children in these in these fifteen books. Who would be worthy of joining a super team of uh out of these protagonists? I mean, Sam Gribbley, obviously, because he has some superpowers. Well, yeah, I mean, anything the team needs, he can make out of natural items by just remembering a book he read. Well, his magic power is the abil- is the ability to find anything he needs to make those things. That's his special power. He can also drink water straight from a creek without getting diarrhea. <laughs> yep. And he can drink yep. poisonous tea and not die. Yes. <laughs> and he can retain any knowledge that he has ever read and recall it from memory. And he has the power over falcons. Yes. He is a beast master. He throws parties for squirrels. <laughs> Maniac would fit into that too. Kid has yep. like unstoppable stamina. Great hand-eye coordination. Very fast runner. Yep. Can balance on a on a rail. Untie any knot. Yeah. Takes him a while, but <laughs> if you watch the movie, it's way more super powered than the thing. <laughs> <laughs> God. He jumps into the giant fucking knot and he's in the middle of it. <laughs> and he bursts out of it, and that's how he unties it. Oh, the movie's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett Morris is in it. <laughs> And Rip Torn. Uh I don't rewatch that shit. But Charles Wallace is definitely in. Oh yeah. Psychic powers work. I mean, I mean Ender it, would have to be there too. He's a he's a straight up tactician. I was gonna say if we go with Harold's uh not possible uh, it's a thing, but uh from my teacher's an alien, the friend who goes off to be with the aliens. Yeah, Peter, because he's an alien. He'd if, be like Martian if Manhunter. If he's like, <laughs> if he is an alien, which Harold is, says, which we both know isn't true. Yeah, we're <laughs> definitely going to be covering the next book in the series, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to find out if Peter winds up being an alien, and if he does, I will I will reward Harold somehow. I, I already know. told him. I'll give him a dollar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I owe him a coke. Listen, I'll tell you what. If Peter's an alien, you guys really want to stick on this? If Peter's an alien. Okay, we're laying down stakes now. You guys got to go in and buy me a box of butterscotch crippets. Oh. I mean, I can do that. I can throw in for that. Okay. <laughs> and you guys can decide on what you want. <laughs> and if and if if in our reading he is definitively not an alien but a human child, you guys know, get reliterated really? t-shirts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a win-win for me. <laughs> That will be as long three, as mine fits. Yeah, there'll be a total of three reliterated t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously Harold, not you, the other Harold, he would be, he would also be the superhero because he would be able right. to make everybody pie. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> and dragons. He could make dragons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just manifest things with his crayon. Powers. Yeah. He's probably the most powerful of all of them. Do you think the, the magic's in the crayon or in the boy? Hmm. You know, I don't know, because, I mean, this brings us to another character that would fit into the Avengers, Ralph the Mouse. Are you thinking of Ralph Mouse? (laughs) Ralph S. Mouse. He has the power to animate inanimate objects. Yeah. 
<laughs> by making a noise. By na- yeah, and, and it's not clear where the power comes from. It's from his human-shaped arms. Yeah, yeah from his <laughs> terrifying human-shaped arms. Freakish human arms. <laughs> how, how does this motorcycle go again, Harold? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a pretty good Avengers team right there. Yeah, yeah. I think there's one more kid that needs to needs to have a spot on this Avengers team. We got Jedi Master Clark Miller, who can who can drive a grown oh, yeah. man into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Bruce Miller. Oh, it was Bruce doing Bruce it. I thought you that. said it was Clark. No, Bruce was the one practicing with the lightsaber, and then he tricked ah, me with his I little was, move. I was wrong. He's not five. No, he's seven though. <laughs> You don't think I could beat up a seven-year-old? No. <laughs> Obviously not. Obviously no, not. The, I mean, clearly. At the time, but, I thought it was funnier because I thought it was Clark and he's five. Yeah, but but still, it doesn't still, matter. I, I mean, Bruce is as big as Clark. <laughs> no, he's he's quite a bit. He's actually shot up quite a bit. Oh, has he? Okay. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I haven't kid seen stands, him in a while. Kid stands above my belly button now. His, his oh. eyes come above my belly button. These kids are growing. Oh, yeah. they are. It's crazy. No, but I mean, Clark. Clark does hurt me sometimes. So I was I mean, gonna say Clark <laughs> is, is yeah, somebody that no, would take you out. So for sure, yeah, I, I guess that they can they can both have have spots on the team. Yeah, both of them. They're they're talented kids. <laughs> talented at <in> violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they take them out. All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's a season, y'all. That is good. Well, I had a good time, you guys. So. I did as well. I'm excited to come back for the spooky season, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. spooktacular. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, what is this? This is chapter three, right? Yeah, we're we're closing up chapter three. All right. So maybe it'll be three chapters a season that that might work out. And uh, so you can expect us to be back for a little while and then go away for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> as as these as these things do. Yeah. As it often goes, yep, I think we've fallen into a, a decent pattern here. Excellent. All right, well, this has been fun, guys. But it is mm-hmm. 11.30, and Harold <laughs> has to be up in five hours. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, to all our listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening to our show. This is Reliterated, brought to you by the Chocolate Milk Friends. If you enjoy us, uh, please talk about it with your friends. Uh, let them know that you found a, an awesome book-related podcast to listen to. Uh, give us a, a subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or any podcatcher app that pulls from these sources. And uh, give us reviews and, and ratings wherever you listen to us. And uh, from, uh, for ch- season one, give a shit, read some lit. Have a good whatever time of the day it is for you. Thanks! See you in October! <laughs> <laughs> What happened to the Bing? The Bing stuff, Andy? Eh, I only had five things on that list. <laughs> that would have been plenty. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Bing stuff? All right, so wel- welcome to the post-season one uh, post-show. I composed a list of things that we s- uh, said we were going to Bing, but never Binged. Okay. Because we, <laughs> we've we Binged things during the show before, but there, there are... 
I've been listening to some uh, some of the uh, older uh, episodes. I haven't listened to all of them; didn't have the time. But I composed a. I started to compose a list of things that uh, we wanted to bing, but uh, didn't do on the show. Uh, I only came up with five of them. But the first one is Chris Benoit. We didn't go into <laughs> Chris Benoit's story. I think there's a reason just, why we didn't go into Chris Benoit. There's a good reason he we didn't murdered go into Chris his Benoit. whole fucking family. He, yeah, while on <laughs> yeah. steroids. Yeah, <laughs> he went ragey and murdered his family. Yes, <laughs> the, the term for tragic him and... is a family annihilator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And he wasn't, we, he uh, wasn't the crossface crippler. He was a crossface murderer. <laughs> oh my god, poor Stacy. <laughs> right. <laughs> we also didn't bring Philistines. We didn't definitively uh, figure out what Philistines are. I thought I we did for sure. This... I Josh and I. Uh, I looked it up. Uh, I looked at Did you look it up? Yeah. Yeah. It literally is a person that doesn't appreciate culture or art. Yeah. And I was like, it feels like, it just feels really cringy and almost like a slur. Yeah. Because it's used like a slur. Yeah. The dad is awful about it. Yeah. (laughs) But it was also an ancient people who lived on the south coast of Canaan from the 12th century BC until 604 BC, when their polity, after having already been subjugated for centuries by Assyria, was finally destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylonia. So the Jews didn't do it. Babylon did. Babylon 5. Ah, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> this is probably Babylon 1, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> we also didn't bing whether Book It is still a thing. And we recently found out after that episode that Pizza Hut is bringing back the Book It program. Hell yep, yeah. Thanks to us. Thanks to us. Yep. Posted about it on Facebook, I believe. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and we wanted to to bing uh, the release year of Beetlejuice versus the uh, the release year of Nightmare Before Christmas because during Andy's Ask Hole, there was a question about a uh, character appearing on uh, uh, Beetlejuice's hat or uh, Michael Keaton's uh, hat, whatever that wound up being in Nightmare Before Christmas. And we wondered when, what years those, uh, those were. And it is actually that uh, Jack Skellington was just a random character they created on the Beetlejuice hat, and they later used him for Nightmare Before Christmas. Interesting. I like that in the show Community throughout the se- throughout the series, they say Beetlejuice exactly three times, and on the third time, he shows up in the background. Yeah, yes, yeah during a Halloween episode. party. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and is that all the things? The last one is we wanted to bang, how is Jeremy? So, Josh, your your blood brother, Josh. Oh, <laughs> during the Indian in the cupboard, we talked we talked about uh, Boone and Little Bear becoming blood brothers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Let me, your, uh... your old blood brother Jeremy, and we wanted to bing how he's doing. We we're gonna bing how he was doing. I, I have a feeling that one's not gonna show up. <laughs> Give me a second. I can yeah. maybe find out something about him. I know what his last name is and stuff. How is Jeremy? <laughs> I'm just going to straight up being how is Jeremy. And the first result is Jeremy Gilbert, the Vampire Diaries wiki. <laughs> what is Jeremy Roloff uh, well, doing now? He and wife uh, yeah, are I don't have a... much. The last thing is from uh, from like in July. So <coughs> nothing, nothing that I can see. Okay. Well, hope, hope, hope you're I hope doing all right, good. Jeremy. Jeremy. Hope you don't, you got some of Josh's blood still still coursing through you. (laughs) I hope that you're listening to us. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope you got over that blood disease. (laughs) He didn't get a blood disease. (laughs) If anything, Josh got it from him. 
<laughs> he probably lives alone, um, most likely renting a room in a house with some people and saves all his money for no clear reason because he doesn't have anybody to give it to. No, that's <laughs> me. You're describing it's me. Blood. It's yeah, in his yeah, blood. but he's got your blood in you in him now. Yeah, but no, he's he's married and has kids and he's a uh, he, he's on the drum and bugle corps and he's part of the Hellcats in the army. So, huh. I've seen him on TV a couple times. It was pretty cool. Well, cool. damn, his blood didn't have any effect on you. <laughs> nope, none at all. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to the post show, everybody. Goodbye again. Sign off once more. All right. Bye. Bye, Jeremy. Bye, Bye, Jer. Thanks. Thanks.